can turn the world on with her smile Who can take a nothing day And suddenly make it all seem worthwhile Well, it's you, girl, and you should know it With each glance and every little movement you show it Love is all around, no need to waste it You can have the time, why don't you take it Welcome to After All, the cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm your host, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCon. And welcome to the show, guys. This week, we have for you Episode 7 from Season 2. Didn't you used to be... Wait, don't tell me. That's the title of the episode. It's a long not... title. It's a long title. It's, it's pretty verbose. Their perspicacity isn't great, though. So <laughs> this week, uh, we have, assuming that the relentless Howard Arnell won't be going, Mary decides to attend a high school reunion, and Rhoda comes along. Incidentally, she was wrong. Howard Arnell is, in fact, there, and is his usual charming Obnoxious self. self. Oh, my. Holy socks and all. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And with camera and taking pictures of everyone and everything, oh, yeah. every minute. Predominantly Mary. Predominantly Mary, because yeah. he loves Mary and wants to marry her. He yet, a- wants yet again. To, yeah, he wants to marry Mary. Everybody wants to marry Mary. The episode was written by Alan Burns and directed by Jay Sandrich. And since Howard Arnell is back, that means that Richard Schall is back, mm. who has also thus far played Chuckles the Clown and played Howard's brother, the infinitely nicer and more charming uh Paul. Paul, yes, Paul, Paul Arnell. Arnell. That's right. Uh, we also had Pippa Scott this week as Estelle Kamser Proust, who was she looks vaguely she looks vaguely like Betty White actually. Oh, she does now. Yeah, in yeah. her in her later she years. She also looks like uh, Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Burstyn. Yeah, it's like Ellen if Burstyn. Ellen Burstyn and Betty White had a child. Yes, completely. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. in 1935. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's, I think there's this kind of fantasy around high school reunions. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've ever been to a high school reunion or know people who have, you know, I always, in the back of my mind, I'm always picturing like Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. (laughs) Where it's like, you're just desperately trying to appear like you've got your shit more together and wouldn't it be nice if you were actually the heiress to the post-it, you know, uh, yes. foundation? Um, yeah. but, uh, fortune? 3M? Yeah, that would be nice. Um, have you have you ever seen I think Romeo I have, Michelle's? but I don't know that I've ever seen the whole thing. I think I've seen portions of it. It's great. Yeah. It's fantastic. Mira Sorvino and, and uh, Lisa Kudrow being right. their usual... Crazy selves. Crazy selves. Right. Um, but I have never had... A, a high school reunion that you know of that you i may know have, and it's, you've not been contacted by your yeah by your illustrious high, high school i mean it's not like i'm I, i'm a very difficult person to get a hold of my i am not present in social media at all not at all or You're even remotely findable That's in any it. way shape or form no. all of those private accounts that no one has any <laughs> access to 
I am a ghost. I'm a leaf on the wind. That's it. Well, I have been to a high school reunion, and it was quite a long time ago, although I suspect my high school has had um, several since, mm-hmm. considering I graduated in the Dark Ages. They, Last did century. They, did they really. have electricity? They did. Oh. We didn't have computers in the classroom, though, because <laughs> computers weren't invented yet. <laughs> At least not for... smack me for that. Not, uh, uh, not for... for uh, you know, general consumption, oh, no. only only for high-level government operatives. Well, yeah, and at that point, computers were... They were punch cards. Yeah. Do you know what those are? Vaguely. <laughs> I know what a punch card is in general, but I right. know in terms of using punch cards for computing purposes, that's a little foreign for me. Mm-hmm. Using mm-hmm. punch cards, you know, for a job, that's a different story. Clock in. And that's a different story. That's a different yeah, kind of punch it's card. Different, it's a different kind of punch card. Yeah. 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 It's, it's how you write code. For mm-hmm. computers in the dark ages before in electricity. The dark ages. <laughs> Back okay. after after the point in time when computers were a job were 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 people. Right. And when they became machines. That's it. Somewhere that's, in that transition. Some, somewhere in yeah. that transition. The phase. humans had a lot of work to do. Yeah. But so I graduated from high school in nineteen seventy four. That's a long, long time ago. <laughs> and I believe the reunion may have been maybe like 12 or so years later, which is kind of what these women were. What it seems. Because they were like class of 59. They were class of 59. And this is 1971. Exactly. So it's pretty much exactly spot on 12 yeah. years later. And so you assume that by that time you will have grown up and become somewhat successful in your adult life, in your young adult life, mm-hmm. and that those nasty, successful, cheerleader-type, athletic-type, um, academic types who really intimidated you in high school wouldn't intimidate you if you met them again 12 years later. And guess what? They still do. They still do. do. <laughs> they still do. I don't like that. No. So yeah. did you did you feel like that little... 14-year-old Argentinian girl again? A little bit, yeah. For for some of those people, with many others, I didn't at all. And I felt, you know, happy in my own skin. And Mm -hmm. I looked good. And I had a nice job. And I was married. And I had, I believe I had one young child. I think you were still not here. Well, if you graduated... In 74, Derek was born in... 84. And it was 12 years later, Derek would have been two, in theory. Right. So I think it was around that time. Yeah. So yeah, so you, it would have you been were two in the years, works, but not two quite years there. before me, but two years after Derek. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so it was kind of interesting, and and everybody was still young enough, but a young adult. Mm-hmm. Now, if we were to meet now, it'd be kind of different. And in fact, in the Thornhill Lifelong Lectures that I attend and that I'm involved in, mm-hmm. a, a surprising number of those people that come to the lectures are former high school um, classmates. Huh. And, uh, yeah, and that whole insecurity thing just doesn't jive anymore. What we're, do you mean? We're all old middle-aged women. And so, like, none of you give a shit anymore and you're perfectly civil with each other and all of that stuff just melts away? Pretty much. Nice. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's kind of good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Well, like, I'd like nothing more. I remember thinking about the idea of having a high school reunion when I was still in high school. Oh, really? And thinking, like... How? Why? Like, within a year of graduating, being like, if they have a high school reunion, I'm totally going to go, and all of my shit's going to be together, and everybody's going to be jealous of me, and they're going to see what I do, and they're going to see that I'm, you know, this big success, and I'm going to have my life together, and everything's going to be wonderful. And I had no fucking clue how that was going to happen. Within a year after leaving high school? Well, no, like within a year of high school ending, thinking when the tenure, oh, you know, I when right. when the reunion happens, I'm going to have my shit all together. And if a reunion were to happen right now, I would. I don't have my shit all together. <laughs> Do you ever? Does anyone ever have their shit all together? Well, I think that's part of the, like, the secret, right? Is that nobody does. Is no. that this fantasy idea that, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to have mm. this and that and this kind of a job and be married to this kind of a person and have 2.5 kids and a white picket fence and a dog and a cat and a house with a, tr- with a tree fort in our yard and... All that stuff. All that stuff. You know, the if I had a million dollar stuff, the our house is a very, very, very fine house, house stuff. stuff. All yes. that. Yes. And it's just not true. That's a no. fantasy. That's a myth made by BBDO, <laughs> you know, and that's not something that any of us can actually really attain. I think no, that the success. But social, social media really pushes those buttons of a lot of people. It, it can. Yeah. yeah. Especially platforms like Instagram, where you're oh, showing man. the yeah. selective perfections of your life that are purely manufactured and not you're seeing you know and there's no scratch and sniff so you can't smell you know you can't smell where's the poop where's the poop where's the poop yeah really (laughs) i this in terms of whether or not you can have it all and this idea of coming to these reunions and being able to say look at me i did it i'm a success that kind of that's kind of at the heart of what's going on i think in this episode it's mm-hmm. it's a little below the surface but it's also a little not right. in that mary gets this newsletter for her high school and rhoda starts reading it and they wrote a little blurb about mary and it's very condescending and it's very yes. it, it's she's being shamed for being unmarried and being a career gal. I know. How sick is that? Yeah. But then it was written by this uh, Adele, Estelle, whatever her name Estelle. is. Estelle. Estelle. Yeah. And Estelle is a frenemy because Estelle was annoyed with Mary for... Winning Viking Queen. Viking Queen. We're in Minnesota like here, folks, because that's where all of this takes place. Yes. And Mary <laughs> moved from, is it Roseburg? Yeah. The town of Roseburg in northern Minnesota. Oh, this is Rosenberg, Minnesota. No, it's Roseburg. They could have changed it. Yeah. Which I thought was a very <laughs> funny very line. Funny. Yes. The the Jewish humor. Yeah. Um but so so this Estelle didn't get Viking Queen and Mary did because Mary is that kind of a girl. Mary is homecoming queen. She's perfect. She's, She's but Mary Mary is the actual personification of what the girl next door and the homecoming queen or the Viking queen is, right? It's this person yes. who is who is effortlessly beautiful, yeah. all effortlessly thin, effortlessly personable. Everybody likes she's her. Genuinely she's genuinely nice. Yes, she's very she nice. She's on very affable. Like yeah. it's there's nothing about her that's contrived no. or mean-spirited or manipulative. Quite the, quite the opposite. Yeah. In fact, she's quite guileless. Yeah, even even as far as when she calls in sick for work and has oh, to explain yes. herself. And it's, you know, so you get that kind of idea that you, 
But it's so strange because a, a girl like that wouldn't be the most popular girl in school. You Like, you would, but I feel like the Estelles of the world would be given that ranking a little bit more. The, the people who kind Maybe of... not in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> they grow up different there in the Midwest, yeah? I'm sorry, Minnesotans, if any of you are listening, because the 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 characterization of your state is one that is lovely and pure and clean and Nordic and Nordic <laughs> and so all good things <laughs> and somehow um, the idea of, of having manipulative people in your high schools seems wrong but at the same time like people are the same this no matter is, where you yes. go right you yeah. run into I different mean, I, people this is tongue-in-cheek that I'm saying this but yeah. yes yeah yeah but it's interesting that they you know they're to I guess because you know we digress as is usual you get this kind of shaming of Mary for not being yeah. married and not having yeah. kids. And it kind of, I do love the fact that, because everybody talked about this, right? I've seen, that's one of the big things when going into this, you know, starting with the beginning of season one that I had heard so consistently that Mary's marital status seldom, if ever, factors into any of her behavior. Like it's, she'll date and she'll see mm-hmm. guys and that's fine, but she never marriage and children never seem to be a preoccupation for her that's right and that's actually and that's particularly true here because i mean she seems to have she seems to genuinely not appreciate the dig at well she's not at all she may have all these things but oh she's just a she's just a career gal Mm. she's not success she's not really successful because she she hasn't squeezed one out and put a ring on it but you know or not in that order and then we have somebody like Rhoda, who, yeah. when we were talking about this while yes. we were watching the episode, you mentioned how... I find that very off-putting. Yeah. Because Rhoda seems to be, and this is something that frustrated me a lot with Rhoda in the first yeah. season, and it still frustrates me with her now, because I and love Rhoda. I really do. I think she's one of my favorite characters. I agree. But she's so preoccupied with this social preoccupation of marriage and that that's the standard to which we should all strive that everybody like she's even willing to take an interest in howard by the end of the episode and that's kind of like really and like she's making fun than this yeah Yeah. she's making fun of captain buzzcut when he walks into the gymnasium and then they start chit-chatting and she's throwing himself all over all over him and and behaving differently than she actually does and kind of lying a little bit a little bit no more than in previous episodes when she uh was dating this this forest ranger guy yeah or he was when they went hiking with the nordic minnesotans which was appropriate exactly and and she kind of talked herself into well i could be like this i could be like this yeah and it's it's very off-putting to think that way because she's feisty she's edgy she's smart she's beautiful she has everything going for Mm -hmm. her and yet somehow she's unhappy Mm -hmm. she comes across as being kind of permanently on the prowl for a man and and that's that to me is a bit of a throwback like mary is a throw forward in being not preoccupied in terms of being progressive in in terms of being progressive either by design or by accident Mm -hmm. whereas rhoda is kind of a bit of a throwback and i just had another thought about that which may or may not be relevant Rhoda has a difficult relationship with her mother Mm -hmm. and her mother's preoccupation is with Rhoda 
being single and mm-hmm. wanting her to be married. Yeah. So ultimately, you got to please mom. And that may be part of Rhoda's mindset. Not, I better try and find a husband in order to please my mom. But it's been internalized yeah. as something that is important for her self-worth. Mm-hmm. Because that's what mom has put into her brain. It's, yeah. And I think so it's... So that's a possibility. I, I think, don't know. Well, I think it's a combination of factors, right? Because yeah. you do get that. It's the era. Yeah, it's that's the other thing that I was going to say. It's it's the time, yeah. right? Where you where at that point in 1971, you would still have, you know, if if you were a woman and you went to your high school reunion and you were unmarried and had no children, that was oh people would question yeah and, and people would pity you exactly yeah and that's. It's very much a symptom, I think, of the time. And I I don't know if it's necessary. I don't think in any way, shape, or form it's deliberate. But it kind of calls attention to the fact that Mary is, like you said, she's kind of representing this progressive venture into the future. Mm-hmm. And that she, whereas Rhoda is very much this representation of of the here and now. Of the status quo. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she and she is to an extent. She's she's not a career gal per se. She, she has, has a, a job. She has a job. Yeah. Yeah. And her job is 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 window dressing. Yeah. And while that is something that like you can work to in a higher st- like to to make a career out of it, it's something that she seems to be doing to pass the time. It's a very feminine profession. That's right. It's it's not necessarily overly time uh, restrictive. It's not going to take up a lot of your time. So if you did meet somebody and you did want to start dating and you would be able to make the time for a, for a man. And at the same time, it wouldn't be a difficult job to leave if you got married, because that's still kind of what you would do. Like, it's not necessarily what everybody did, but there was still an expectation that I think from what from what I'm aware of, from, you know, my mm-hmm. privileged standpoint as being a, a young 30, 30 year old woman in 2018, that at the time, in 1971, women were still getting married to leave their jobs. Yes. Or leaving their jobs to get leaving married. Leaving their jobs to get married. Women, with some exceptions, the, the expectation was that once you got married, you would leave your job uh, and start reproducing shortly mm-hmm. thereafter. Or at the very least... Stay in your job while putting your husband through school, right. and then leave your job. Yeah, or leave your job certainly as soon as your pregnancy started showing. Mm-hmm. You know those kinds of scenarios. But mm-hmm. but to actually, I don't know. Even in Canada, was there such a thing as maternity leave in 1971? Probably not, not. Probably not. Yeah, I think that was kind of unheard of, and and daycares were few and far between. Mm-hmm. It just that 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 whole social structure really didn't exist until quite a bit later. Mm-hmm. And you do see some of that represented in even in other television shows mm-hmm. where they're actually discussing that in something like Good Girls Revolt, which I've mentioned before on the show, right. uh, where, and I don't remember the actress's name, but Jane, I think, is the character, uh, blonde woman, who was in Pitch Perfect. She, um, she, her family is starting to, her mother especially, and as well as her father, is starting to get antsy about her working at the newsroom because she's starting to take too much of an interest in it. Mm. And her partner, who she's clearly interested in, 
is Jewish. So they want her to leave and go and work for the nice waspy law firm so that she can meet a nice man, get married to a lawyer and leave because there's no money in journalism. Right. And in those Jewish journalists, what are they going to do? You can't, you got to marry a wasp, right? You're not, you're not one of them. Why would you do that? But again, we also have in something like Mad Men when Joan uh, gets married uh, and she... She gets married and then keeps working there to help put her husband to medical school. Yes. And he doesn't get his placement, but she's already quit her job in order for him to start working. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then she has to get a job at a, at a dress shop and is all embarrassed and, Oh, I'm just helping a friend, but no, she's helping him change his, there was a real shame and stigma associated with, a married woman working mm-hmm. because it meant her husband couldn't support her. And that is a big shame. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was a shame created for and by men mm-hmm. for themselves. And yet the women absorbed it. And that it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that women are absorbing that shame because that also kind of jives with a lot of other stuff that, and now granted we're recording this episode on Mother's Day weekend. And this is going to go live. Like you're pro you're listening to this probably in October. I don't know. I haven't checked the timeline, but it's, you know, there's all that stuff with, was it the Golden State Killer that was just caught recently? Yeah. Yeah. After, is it Michelle McNamara who wrote the book? Yeah. I don't know the name. She was, uh, she passed away, was married, happened to have been married to Patton Oswalt, but she was an exceptional uh, crime, true crime writer. In her own, in her own right. And that was what her career was, right? And she, it's because of her book that they cracked the case. So posthumously, she was involved in this. And everything that the press was jumping on was the Golden State Killer's ex-wife. That she rejected him. That there were all of these things that she did or did not do when basically running from him as a threat to her. And somehow her inaction is now being blamed. For his killings? Yes. And she's a, and she was a, 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 a crime writer? No, 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 no. Oh, the, I'm sorry. The, the, I'm the Golden State Killer's ex. Ex. Yes. Is, is absorbing is, is a lot absorbing. of the blame for his murders. And that's, that's not crazy. And that's not new. No. And that's and that's, you know, that's an extreme case. Yeah. But there's a lot of instances throughout modern history where we as women have been blamed like you see people who like like for instance with the attack on toronto Mm. and well women were just too harsh on him when when they were when when they rejected him so he was lonely and he was hurt and he was this and he was that no 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 we don't owe you anything We, we most certainly do not owe you our bodies exactly and we do not, it's not our fault that you can't process rejection. And we don't owe you a polite response. But it's, there's this idea that somehow it's women's faults for not, yeah. for not kowtowing to men to support their egos. And then you get these other, you know, other instances where, you know, like the, all the shit that came down on Hillary for Bill's infidelity. And why is that her fault? Why is, does that have to come down on her? She covered it. I mean, she... I mean, Lewinsky. I'm talking about Lewinsky. Right. But Hillary covered up and she, she did do, and I, 
I'm speaking out of turn here because I don't know exactly, I don't remember exactly what happened, but she not only stood by her man, she kind of made life miserable for some of the accusers. Um, having said that, this is not her issue. Well, it exactly. shouldn't be her issue. It's strictly his. Well, exactly. What we are not, we as women are not responsible for the actions of the bad the behaviors men. of men. Exactly. Within or without our lives. Like whether it's our spouse who has done something terrible, yeah. nothing that we do made them do that. Yes, it takes two to, to tango. And yes, when it comes to problems in a relationship, both parties are involved in what happens. But when it comes to the individual actions of an individual, that can't be something yeah. that falls on that can't be something that falls on 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 the, on the, the woman. woman and it often is and the whole idea of you just made me so angry or you made me this yeah, or you why made do me you that. made me do it you made me do it no 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 one made you do anything the gun the knife the club the yeah. whatever yeah so and it and that you know like mentioning how that that shame of a woman having to of of a, that that women absorb the shame of men not working mm-hmm. or like no mm-hmm. why is that why, why does that, that need thing? to be a thing yeah we god forbid we earn god forbid we earn as much as men yeah. so that maybe we can take some of the weight off, off of, of the outdated notion of masculine of masculinity as provider right. you know god forbid we do anything to equalize things you know the definition of feminism just saying but it's you know you you see a lot of that factoring in here this idea that the absence of a man is it's now you. making mary this target is now making her this 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 target for pity this target for yeah. shame and that that's somehow something to be looked down on but we have that a lot in this episode and mm. and and with the representation of rhoda who seems to be very okay self-subjugating Yes, which and is it, it's 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 very off-putting, and I don't remember from you know when I saw the show forty-five years ago whether that changes over the seasons. Whether over time does Rhoda become less about getting married and more about being her own person? Mm-hmm. I I hope so. But I hope so too. Because I I mean, she has a daughter on her own show, doesn't she? When it comes to just the, like, Rhoda? I don't remember that. I, th- I thought she did, but she's, like, a single mother or something. I don't know. Maybe we might need to check out Rhoda at some point. I know. And see what happens. I know. Maybe it's been when... a long time. I yeah. do know certain sort of seminal moments that do happen. On, but on her show? Uh, on, um... Or just with Rhoda in general? With Rhoda in general. And I can't remember if it was on her show or, or still... In later episodes of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, mm-hmm. I cannot remember. So, so yes, she does change. Yeah. Um, but as far as for now, she is still very much, and it's funny from a sitcom point of view, but it's kind of off-putting from a feminist point of view. It is. It bothers the hell out of me. I know. Because I love Rhoda. I want to yeah. see her. I, I want. I. You want her to be happy single. I want her to be happy as herself. Yes. Don't go it's... don't go being someone else. Well, like, don't go changing to try and please me. Exactly. Like it's not even so much the idea that she wants a that she desperately wants a partner, that she desperately wants a spouse. Yeah, and I have no problem with I, that. I get that. I get that. And I respect that completely. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with wanting a partner. But you got to be you. 
Well, exactly. It's the idea that she, it, it's the idea that it also doesn't seem really like she wants a partner so much as she wants a husband. It's, yes. it's, it seems less to me about She wants the, an accessory. She wants the social status. Yes, she does. It's because yeah. there was at the time a great deal of social status associated Absolutely. with being married. Well, not only, be, yeah, the whole, you take on your husband's social standing by virtue of simply being the wife of an accountant, the wife mm-hmm. of a lawyer, the wife of a doctor, and you play that part. You play the role of hostess, you play the role of arm candy mm-hmm. at social events and all those kinds of things. That was the role of the wife. And and you got kudos for being good at that role. Yes. It's yeah. very um, it's very Emily Gilmore. Totally. It's that totally idea. Emily. Yeah. Yeah. It's that idea of, yeah, like I, well, I am now Mrs. of blah. Yep. And that's, I run the household and that is my success. Right. And, that, and I, I mean. Put, it, and I put on lovely dinner parties. Well, yeah. And I mean, yeah. and, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's yeah. the life you want, that's the life you want. That's totally cool. But someone like Rhoda is, cap- is, is, I don't even want to say is capable of more because... To, we don't know that, actually. But that, well, not only do we not necessarily know that, but it, it, it's, it, it implies a level of judgment of women who are housewives, right. of women who put on nice dinner parties, who mm-hmm. are the, the woman behind the scenes mm-hmm. who help their husbands be the men that they're going to be. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that so long as it's a choice that the woman themselves is making. Exactly. It's not necessarily a lifestyle know, for everyone. I actually know people who... Who are that. Who are that and have been very happy. And, and these are women my age who made that choice. And I, I have to assume the choice was a, a mutual choice between themselves and their husband saying, you know what? This works better for us for many reasons, practical and social and mm-hmm. economic and whatever. And they haven't worked since they had children. And their children are now your age and older. Right. So, and yet they seem very happy, very involved in their lives, doing all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. They haven't earned money outside of the home, but they've done other things. So I agree with you. If it's a choice then all the power to you. Yeah, so long as it's a choice. It's, yeah. That's what it's all about, yeah. right? But for Rhoda, it very much doesn't seem like... I, I don't know. I think that's one of the most frustrating things for me about Rhoda's character. I love her to death, and I relate to her in so many ways. <clears throat> but this idea that she is not enough, and that yeah. she needs to be different, and that she needs to change in order to get a man and therefore marry him... And have the status symbol of the engagement ring and the husband yeah. and the life associated with that. That, that. that seems to be her end goal frustrates me to no end. But, it's, I, but at the same time, I think it's a necessary imagery to have because that's still very much... Mary was the exception, right? This right. idea of a professional woman in 1971 who is, you know, she's not a career gal because that's so condescending... But she's a career woman. She is a woman who who is going about her life. She's working a job that she loves, that's mm-hmm. doing things, that's challenging her, that's that's exciting for her. Yeah. And if a man falls into her life who she wants to spend the rest of it with, great. Bonus. If not, maybe she'll go on some dates here and there. Maybe right. she'll try and meet someone. But she's not going to push it. She's not going to no. change herself to, to, to find it either. And that's, that's kind of... I th- 
maybe I've just had this aha moment in my head that that's kind of the whole point of the show, right? Is that you have that juxtaposition. Yeah. That Yeah, that's interesting. And whether that was deliberate, it, it's interesting, the whole, uh, the dynamics between Mary and Rhoda and how they interact with each other and is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Is that, I think there's also the, you know, Mary being the golden girl, um, who gets the guys all the time, mm-hmm. whether she wants them or not, and Rhoda being the the sidekick. She was she has to work a little harder to get someone's attention, right. especially in Mary's shadow. Right. Uh, despite the fact that Mary is not at all deliberately, deliberately casting deliberately, a shadow. No, no, no. She just shines. Yeah. You know. Even in so much as you know, the way everything goes when she shows up to to a high school reunion. Yeah. And Estelle is desperately clamoring for people's attention and their praise. And even the, you know, the principal walks in and has to read her name tag and she has to comfort herself with, oh, he remembered. And then turns and takes one look at Mary and Mary Richards mm-hmm. and is all warm and embracing and wonderful. And it's kind of, yeah, she gra- she she glows. She has a presence that not many other people have. Mm-hmm. And that makes a lot of other women feel like jealous. shit about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Or jealous. Just jealous. Just jealous. The other thing I was going to say, and this is relating to how they portray their jobs slash careers. Mm -hmm. Mary's job and Mary's involvement in her job or in her career is central to to the show. Rhoda's is very peripheral. You don't hear much about Rhoda's job, only a little bit. No. And only if Mary happens to be meeting her for lunch and you see her in the window, you know, dressing a mannequin kind of thing. Which I think we've only seen the once. Once. Yeah. Uh, but Mary's job is is a big deal in the show. It's, it's the focal it's, point. It's a focal point in the show, and which I think that was groundbreaking for its day. The fact that the job and the workplace and her relationships with her work colleagues is as important, if not more important, than her relationships outside of work. Mm-hmm. Um, which for a woman, uh, for a woman waiting to get married, that is most unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's all it's all part and parcel of the whole genie gig, right? It's all part of it. How how do you keep all the balls juggling in the air and have everything perfect and all that stuff? And you don't. That's you the don't. secret. That's the what secret they... is there is no there is no way and all those Instagram people who have perfect lives don't. No, they're lying. Lying. All they're of lying. it's all of it's fake. This idea of the having of everything you know, how many of those people who look like they have perfect families have been divorced yeah. or have lost a loved one or have had, you know, God forbid, like a miscarriage? Mm-hmm. Like how many of them have, have, have lost their dreams because of physical injury? How many of them have lost opportunities because of mental disorders and anxiety and depression? All of these things that you don't see. The meat and potatoes of what life actually is. The shitty stuff. Well, yeah. And let's face it. Life is hard. Life is not the picture-perfect look that celebrities and and ad agencies want you to think it is. Mm. But they want you to think that if you buy certain things and if you live a certain life and if you take certain pictures, it will look that way. It's all about money. Yeah. Yeah. This This got dark. How how from a high school reunion? How is that possible? Because it's a high school reunion. I they. But I would a. If they contacted me tomorrow and said, hey, You'd next go. month. Oh, I would totally go. You would totally go. I would totally go. Yeah. Because I It'd may be not fine. feel. Well, I 
I may not feel like I have my shit together. But you have I, a lot of your shit together. But I, I will. I admittedly, I still don't get tired of telling people that I'm a writer and a film critic and that I have two podcasts and I write for different publications and I do this on the side. The, the, the fact that I'm able to list off what I do and have most people go, ooh, how interesting or that sounds so cool. And or it wow, cool. it sounds like you do a lot of stuff. And you like, do. <laughs> yes. And you do. You I do. have no free time and I'm super happy about it. Thank you. That's it. She's constantly sleep deprived. This is so She's true. She's falling asleep as we speak. I got seven hours last night. That's really good. That's actually That's like, really good. That's the most I've had in two weeks. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Don't panic. Your daughter's okay, I swear. <sighs> Next week, we have for you episode eight Thoroughly unmilitant Mary, which is actually a pun on the title of a film that Mary Tyler Moore was in with Julie Andrews three years prior? 1967. Okay, so more than three years prior. In 1967, called uh, Thoroughly Modern Millie. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, no relation at all to what the episode is about. Uh, The episode is about the television newswriters union goes on strike, other guilds and unions follow, and Mary has to cross the picket line. The episode was written by Martin Cohen, Cohen, and directed by Jay Sandrich. Uh, full disclosure, folks, we've already watched the episode. We're going to be doing this episode a little bit differently. Because so much of it is rooted in what uh, is rooted in unions and writers' guilds. Mm-hmm. And Which we don't know striking. Much about. Yes. So it's going to be a slightly different episode next week. Instead of, we likely won't have as much personal stuff to kibitz about. <laughs> Instead, it will. We're we're going to do a little bit of research. We're going to come to this with a bit more information on the table. And it'll be a serious episode. Very it'll be serious. a political episode. Very political because we're never political. No, we're just opinionated. No. So it'll be it'll be a little bit different. We're going to see what, what information we can find out about women's involvement in writers' unions and writers' guilds and and the history of of union striking and in the media and things like that. And, and we'll see what we can bring to it. And it's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a different episode. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what, we'll see what it'll happens. Be exciting. It'll yeah. be different in, in, a, in a good way. Yeah. It'll be new and different. So, but in the meantime, if you haven't yet, you should definitely head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Believe me, it helps. So head on over to iTunes, rate and review the show. And at the same time, go on over and follow us on Instagram, that, that social media platform we've been dissing and Twitter and Facebook at After All Podcast. You can also send us an email at afterallpodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out. And until next time. 